Hey there, I'm Stephanie Domet. I'm the managing editor at Mindful Magazine. And I'm Barry Boyce. I'm the founding editor of Mindful Magazine and mindful.org. And I write the regular column, Point of View. And this is the Point of View podcast. Welcome to a special pandemic edition of Point of View. As we record this, me in my home and Barry in his, many places around the world are locked down, quarantining, self-isolating, social or physical distancing, whatever you want to call it, we are doing it separately via Zoom. So today on Point of View, we're glad to have an opportunity to come together in this way and talk about mindfulness and meditation and a particularly delicious spoofing of the mindfulness world, courtesy of Phoebe Waller-Bridge's brilliant BBC show, Fleabag. Hello, Barry Boyce. Hey, Steph. Hey, listeners out there. Hope you're surviving the pandemic best as possible. Nice to have a chance to be together. Hey, Barry. Yes. Once again on Zoom. Yes. I'm living on Zoom. It feels like another appendage. Yes, me too. Everything happens on Zoom now. I'm having a happy hour later, coffee with a friend tomorrow morning. Yeah. Going to a literary festival and chatting with you, which I'm glad to be doing. Um, One of the things this period of self-isolation has afforded me, Barry, is the chance to watch all of Fleabag in two big gulps. Um, it also afforded me the chance to watch Tiger King, but I feel that that is a whole other conversation. <laughs> I know that you certainly is a whole other conversation. Yeah, we'll we'll maybe leave that one for now. <laughs> yeah, but you've watched Fleabag, and and I want to know what you want to say about it for those who have not yet gulped it up as I have. It's uh, Fleabag is you know a uh, half an hour dramedy. Um, I th- think it's about eight episodes per season kind of thing. You can gobble it up quickly or you can take it in doses. And it's um, part of a kind of show that's the theater of the awkward, you know, where um, the characters show an incredible amount of vulnerability uh, which and, and uh, which is often, you know, extremely hilarious and also you know very poignant. And that's what I love about it. And I just think, you know, and there's a couple of really more than a couple, I think, really talented women doing some shows like this. There's uh, Issa Rae um, has a wonderful show that's now in its fourth season called Insecure, and uh, her um, co-star there is a Nigerian-American actress, um, Yvonne Orphy, and they explore in a similar way awkwardness and the quality of friendships uh, and your relationships with your family and um, you know, just um, all sorts of really poignant moments come out and a lot of hilarity, you know, we really get to laugh at ourselves. So. Um, yeah, I don't know much more I can say about it. It's kind of profane, as okay. is insecure, but um, the uh, you know the profane is often where our awkwardness and vulnerabilities come out. 
Oh, that's an interesting take. You, you write about a particular episode in the June issue of Mindful in which Fleabag and her sister attend a silent meditation retreat. And I feel like there's so much to unpack in this little 30-minute episode. First of all, their father gifts them this retreat, clearly hoping that Fleabag will emerge, I guess, better somehow or maybe just different. Um, you, you write, this is the one-and-done approach to mindfulness. And it's really made more delicious to me by the fact that Fleabag herself has not chosen it, but rather has had it thrust upon her. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, the relationship that the sisters have with their dad. Um, you know, he's um, he tries to uh, suppress and push down all the weirdness and vulnerabilities and challenges in their lives, keep a lid on it all. So this is yet another attempt at doing that. Um, you know, imagine somebody trying to uh, tell you that you're um, unbearable by sending you away to a mindfulness retreat. Yeah. Um, so that in, in itself is, is uh, pretty amusing. And the two sisters are very different. And then now they're, they're uh, locked up together in this, in this uh, silent retreat. Um, and as I say in the piece, it's, uh, it is a perfect uh, depiction of the cliche version of mindfulness. It's quite punitive, this retreat. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's also the leader of the retreat is really super passive aggressive. Yes. Which is, uh, you know, just uh, now just uh, relax and be yourself. And, but uh, there's no talking. And, um, you know, and she has them, you know, cleaning the floors and um, you know, they're like galley slaves. Um, and they picked that up. I mean, they picked up, the writers have, have picked up bits and pieces from actual retreats. Because on actual retreats, if you go away to a retreat, you may be asked to do some work. <laughs> But maybe not scrubbing the grout with a toothbrush kind of work? Yeah, not, usually not. No. Well, somebody I, mean, I, have, I have cleaned a few bathrooms. Sure. Um, but uh, generally, you're, you know, you're cutting up vegetables. And usually the same people who are doing cleaning the bathrooms are not also cutting up the vegetables. You know, they're very attentive to that kind of thing. But, Important hygiene. Um, <laughs> I, I think, that, of course, the main thing is that rather than the people coming to the retreat having a an opportunity having some space to get in touch with themselves they are assaulted by a regimen of gooey gooey calm and that's not how mindfulness works mindfulness opens up a space uh and but you know so often because that's the first place our minds want to go like the dad you know just uh you just need to calm down so um you know that's the uh image of 
mindfulness, and that's how it's uh, you know often carried out. But there's a lot of the uh, kind of creepy and and uh, crappy versions of mindfulness. You know, uh, caveat meditator. You know, you have to be you have to be careful that you know everything that's called mindfulness isn't uh, the real deal. Yeah. I love this idea of, of creepy or crappy, and this retreat is is really both creepy and crappy. It's also good. To, I love the send up because it's it's really refreshing to have the thing that you're into and promoting, you know, to have it satired, uh, you know, because you know I talk a good game, but I've also probably done a bunch of those things, you know, been passive aggressive about trying to calm people down and, and you know, been kind of holier than thou about uh, being more mindful than other people. And that, that's kind of the main thing that the, the person leading the retreat is like, she's more mindful than everybody else. And you have to live up to that standard. And um, that's a really crappy way of teaching. But not a, as you say, not, not an, uh, what am I trying to say? It, it exists. It is a way. Yes. There are, there are creepy and crappy mindfulness it definitely, it definitely exists. Also, I mean, there's the, the spa-like atmosphere. That's another approach, mm. you know, where you have this, you know, it's been this, takes place in this posh mansion. Um, it's quite yeah, the spa version of a mindfulness retreat is another um, feature. Now, I know a lot of people who've opened up and operate meditation centers. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not exactly like running a spa. You know, it's... Um, so... But of course, in any satire, there are some tendrils of truth, right? That's what makes it funny. Absolutely, yeah. And there, you know, there there have been attempts and to turn, and you know, this happens a lot in the yoga world. Mm -hmm. You hear all the time of, you know, yoga retreats in Aruba. Yeah, right. Or or Hawaii, or you know, the top of a mountain, mountain in Ecuador, or something. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, you combine this vacation, privileged vacation with, you know, your inner exploration when, you know, most of the really authentic mindfulness retreats, it's just a place to go that's apart from the world. Right. You know, you know, that's another thing about this is what's being satired is collecting experience. You know, it's like you're going to go away and have an experience. I'm going to go to this, like, this is what the dad's expected. You know, right. his daughters are going to go away. They're going to have this amazing peak experience and come back as different people. No, that's not how it works, you know. It's, right, uh, it's practice, which, in, which indicates that it's ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually more like going away to violin camp. 
Right. You know, and then coming back and doing your weekly violin lessons and your daily yeah, violin. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, violin, because of the intensiveness, you're going to get better. You're likely going to get better at the violin or at least unlearn some bad habits you maybe had. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not going to come back as Fritz Chrysler um, suddenly. Um, I don't even know who Fritz Chrysler is, but somewhere back in my memory, there is that he was a great violinist. Um, In our show notes. Yeah, we'll have to check that out. Just just insert in my voice some other actual violinist. Amazing. We have the technology. (laughs) Isaac Perlman, wasn't he a violinist? Maybe. Uh, Cello? Uh Uh-oh, we're at the end of my knowledge. uh Uh-oh. Instrumentalists. Yeah. Oh, in any case, like violin, more like violin camp than you know a peak experience. And the back peak peak experiences are good and great. You know that that one definitely could have one in meditation or on a meditation retreat. Yeah. But they're called peak experience for a reason. You know, it's like you're it's like mountain climbers. They get to the peak, but you know how long do the people who climb you know, him, uh, how long do they stay on the peak? Not very long. You know, you have to come back down because the air is too thin up there. So, you and know, they can't all be peak experiences, or, or then that's you know that's just the new flat. Yeah. Yeah. So, I really loved in this episode too that there's a parallel men's retreat also happening on the property. And it's basically just a lot of very angry misogynists yelling at a blow-up doll and being lauded for getting their feelings out. Yeah, man. I That one, you know, I don't have to, I haven't taken part. I've never been involved in a real corporation. Mm. So I've never been part of a um, sensitivity retreat. <laughs> so I don't I'm have as much. Sure that's not how they go. Well, I hope not. My God. I hope that if you're trying to learn to be more sensitive to women, that they talk to some actual women. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Epithets. Yeah. I think it provided a good opportunity for for Fleabag to escape. And she goes, I think at one point she goes over and joins the the, uh, men's sensitivity retreat. She creeps down the hill to see what they're up to. Yeah. Barry, I don't know about you, but these days I'm really feeling like the mindful vulgarian's time is upon us. Like his day has finally arrived. There's there's so much material out there right now about using this lockdown time to improve your relationship with yourself, deepen your practice of this or that, write a novel, learn a new skill. I don't know, invent something, start a side hustle, whatever. And most days, honestly, I just want to flop on the couch like a discarded sock and mainline the entirety of 30 Rock, or get lost in building endless subway systems on mini metro. And so I can't help but wonder how the mindful vulgarian is coping in these days. Yeah, well, good luck with with writing King Lear while you're uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. I heard something today, I'm not gonna remember it. It's. there's been a new coinage. Couch potatoes. Couch potatoes. 
So by staying at home on your couch, you're a patriot. Oh, <laughs> that elevates my experience a little. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, Steph, uh, it's it's a, in a commercial for Burger King. Oh, dang it. <laughs> where they're trying to encourage you to stay on your couch, be a patriot, and order a Whopper. I don't. I don't like that all of a sudden. Nothing against a walk, yeah. but... But I like the idea of a couch patriot. You know, that's... Um, well, it, it is that, it that is. way to show that we really do care for each other and we are all connected, right? Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I tell, Well, if this is a multi-layered experience, Mm. And, uh, you know, it's just um, some Dagwood sandwich of life. I mean, first of all, you've got to think of people who are dying. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that it's a large number. But interestingly, it's a very large number, but it's interestingly not quite a large enough number that all of us know somebody directly in our lives who has died. Yeah. There's a certain kind of distance, um, but we know that people are dying. There are quite a few people who are going into the front lines. So I have a friend who's a doctor. Yeah, me too. He works, he works in um, with nursing homes. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what? It's even harder on the orderlies, yeah, and and obviously the nurses who have you know a lot of contact, and and then there's all the you know obviously the delivery people, grocery store people, um, you know that's well that's the first layer you know there's a lot of pain, yeah, and then there's uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Holy crap, man! You don't want to think like even four days ahead, you know, like. For the first time in my okay. life, I'm living in the moment. There you go, man. This will throw you right into the moment. It's wild. And then, you know, when you go out, it's like an episode of Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you know, you, you, so I, I have, normally I swim, I can't swim. I mean, it would be great. They say, you know, swimming would be great if you can get, if, you, if there's a pool, like, right in your backyard. Yeah. I clearly don't have. Because it's a, you know, a chlorine bath. That's great during a <laughs> pandemic. It's ideal. But the, yeah. But, if, you know, if you have to go to a, a locker room to get to a pool, forget it. That's not happening. So I've had to do a lot of walking. So people are walking. And when, when you see another person, you have to, like, okay, i got to get away from these people. Yeah, you know, I don't want to get within six feet of these people. And, you know, there are people walking all over the place. Parks are closed. They have a little park in my neighborhood. Some people got huge fines just for walking there. Yeah. And then at a store, there's these lines with marks. And it's honestly, if you'd seen an episode of, of a science fiction show depicting this, you know, suddenly it's turned into your reality. Another layer is that, you know, as you get down a little deeper, um, it's 
you realize it's uncovered vulnerabilities that are always there, hmm. that have always been there. Like what? Well, you know, it's always possible to catch a disease and die. Yeah. And um, our life is very interconnected as much as we think we have this private preserve. Hmm. And, um, you know, it really asks us to look at that. And, you know, that I don't know whether it will occasion the kind of examination that might be helpful. I mean, we've been knowing for quite a long time that we need to reduce consumption. We have reduced consumption, and all we can talk about is can we please get back to massive consumption? Right. Because it's the only thing that seems to make it possible for us to live. Hmm. Maybe we need to contemplate that paradox a little bit. So we're thrown back on ourselves. And um, on, on a good day, I really appreciate that. Because uh, uh, my the whole reason that I became a meditator stems back to my brother, and I had two brothers who were arrested for transporting marijuana from Mexico into the United States, hmm. and they spent time in prison. And uh, my brother Neil. Um, lived in a very in a small cell for over two years i mean he got to go out and do things but he wasn't in solitary or anything but he was locked up a lot and he practiced a lot of meditation and when he got out he continued that pursuit and he inspired me to do it hmm. and when you find yourself in reduced circumstances, this is something prisoners know about. Yeah. You know, there can be a window. I mean, look at what happened with Nelson Mandela. Right. You know, his imprisonment um, made him so incredibly powerful. So the time of having your circumstances reduced and your life simplified can allow for a kind of reflection i don't know if you're gonna if you need to write king lear but it it can be um helpful to have some space to reflect in the moment when you know like i want to go out to my local pub and hug my friends yes and in the moment when i realize i can't do that and I accept that there's a moment of reflection. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong to go to the club and hug my friends. And, um, but it does mean that I'm taking a time, in this case, a forced time, to let go of some things and just be left with, with what's left. And that's a real meditation retreat not like the the 
posh version with the passive aggressive woman trying to guilt you into being a better version of yourself. It's just having time when you've let go of other things to reflect and see what's left and what really matters. And then you go out again. And we will go out again. But um, so for me, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly <laughs> of, of the pandemic. And there's some bathrooms to clean and some vegetables to chop. So it is just like a meditation retreat. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Because ain't nobody else going to chop those vegetables yeah. right now. Not right so, now. Not right now. <laughs> and uh, anyway. It was great to talk to you, Barry. Likewise. And uh, glad we could do this. And love to everyone out there. Please be well. Take care. Do what you can to help. And Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands is the new I love you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This has been the Point of View podcast with Mindful founding editor Barry Boyce. This podcast is a production of Mindful.org. If you'd like to talk with us about what you heard here, if you have a question for Barry, perhaps, drop us a line. Podcasts at Mindful.org. You can find more of Barry Boyce at Mindful.org. Pop his name in the search bar. There's lots of audio practices, tons of stories written by him, along with all the other episodes of Point of View. I'm Stephanie Domet. Till next time. Hang in there, friend. Wash your hands.